Vivek and I were we are we've been friends for many years. Our so his wife, the lovely Luda, is also a dentist. And I'll let you tell your story, but that's how we first met in person. We were at a conference at Mark Costas's conference, and um, after five minutes of talking to him, I knew that he's like he's so knowledgeable. And then and then you you built your a, a couple companies since since we met, and one of which is PPO Profits, which specializes in getting you the most bang for your buck with all of these awful PPO insurances. So um, I will let you take the stage, my friend. Um, give, give everybody some introduction, and then, um, and then we'll go through like what a typical onboarding is, because I'm getting onboarded right now. So you guys are going to get the behind the scenes. And then this is totally for you guys as well, not just for me. We all have the same questions, so don't be shy. Just type them in the comments um, while he is on the phone. It's not every day you get a CEO of awesome companies on online. Okay, so take it away, Vivek. Sure. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Right, my my camera and all that stuff is definitely not as clear as you. So, but hopefully everyone can see me clearly and, and hear me clearly. So uh, about. Three, you know, April of 2017 is when I um, joined my wife's practice. Uh, you know, we'd done a startup in Chicago, right? And by the time before that, I was a vice president of mobile application development. So, had a completely different career in in you know being a being a software nerd, right? But you know, when it's your own business, you know, you just have a very deep attachment to it, right? And so my heart and my brain was always connected to the dental practice, even when uh, I was at, you know, my corporate job, right? So I had taken a small sabbatical um, to work at the dental practice and, you know, just saw that there are some weird insurance things that happen and you've got one insurance company that pays you 600 bucks for a crown, right? Another one pays you 1100 bucks for a crown. There's really no rhyme or reason uh, beyond how you got structured and credentialed and negotiated, right? So in about April of 2017 to March 2018, there's a lot of insurance uh, renegotiations, restructuring, recredentialing we did for our practice, right? Made a huge, huge difference. Very often I'm on my webinars that I'm showing people what happened to our own practice, right? And between two hundred between 2017 and 2018, I've posted these numbers actually on your group as well, you know. Um, we ended up collecting 270K more than what we did in 2017 with the same amount of, you know, makeup of staff, et cetera, right? Um, and I always say March 2018 is when it changed our, our life because a lot of the contracts we had negotiated, a lot of them just coincidentally came um, on board in March 2018. So it's really strange. Our 2017 numbers, uh, our, our, our February 2018 numbers to March 2018 numbers, such a huge difference, right? And we haven't kind of looked back. And then, you know, a few people always just commented that, you know, this is something, and I used to always think, I'm like, I could do this for others for a living, right? But I was also very attached to the dental practice. I learned a lot of stuff over there, right? And Driving home uh, with with Luda, very often I'm just asking her questions about the different procedures, etc. Right, and so I really got immersed in the field of in, uh, uh, in the field of dentistry, 
And I think one of the things that I always did well as a non-clinician is I tried to understand what's going on, right? So I would go deep in the level where if my wife is explaining to me what's happening with the bone graft, you know, I'm kind of going deep into the science of what's going on over the course of the next four months before it gets prepared for, you know, um, an, an implant, et cetera. And that allowed me to understand sometimes where insurance is coming from on, on procedures, right? But eventually, you know, the practice uh, became a little bit more solid, right? And then uh, we started PPO Profits. Uh, and at that time, when PPO Profits was started, it was supposed to be a be-all, end-all for everything financial information. We were doing fee negotiations, insurance verifications, claims processing, training, consulting. And, you know, as you know, when you do five things at one of the, once at the same time, you do all five of them terribly, right? And uh, that's kind of what happened, right? Um, but the demand that I had a lot was for, hey, can you not do all the rest of the stuff? Can we just pay you a flat fee for insurance negotiations and credentialing, right? And I just saw that, actually my son just came in as well. Um, and I just uh, saw that the demand for that was, you know, is what people were looking for. So we broke that into a separate service and that service became, uh, you know, so uh, it, it had such high demand, right? that uh, we basically stopped claims processing, training, training and consulting. Insurance verifications got split into a different company with Verific. Um, and then, you know, now PPO Profits also does, you know, claims, et cetera, but that's a recent addition. And so what I learned just doing this for now, it's, it's kind of weird. When I was doing it myself, I thought it was going to be like a solopreneur consultant on the, on the side while I'm also managing the practice. But three and a half years later, and about 37, 38 people in the company across three divisions with about 13, 1,400 dentists, it's like, it's a, it's a dream, right? Like, um, I look back very often, and every single time I'm stressed about things, I'm like, you know what? I would have done anything to be this stressed, you know, at this time, because the stress is coming from the type of growth uh, that I never imagined I would have ever experienced, right? And so um, we, um, you know, built a team. Uh, fortunately, my uh, first three employees just turned out to be um, like, I, I don't know how I lucked out there. It just, you know, random stroke of luck. Um, I don't think I can take credit for anything other than I got lucky, right? And then when we started doing this across acquisitions, startups, existing practices, DSOs, right, we just built a remarkable knowledge base, you know, across all the 50 states, right? And so the, uh, and just realized that the field is far more complex than I'd imagined, right? And it gets more and more complex every day. And what a lot of people view negotiations is somewhat of a misnomer, right? What people view negotiations is they think, we're gonna call Aetna for you, we're gonna call Guardian for you and, and go back and forth about how amazing Dr. Hoves is and you know, look at her high tech practice, et cetera, right? But it's a lot less that, and there is a lot of it, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of negotiations, which now we don't have to do as much just because everyone knows PPO profits so well, right? Like every single insurance company, the umbrella companies, et cetera, they all know us so well that very often, you know, like I personally am on a text basis with them, right? Just shoot them a text and say, hey, can you make this work, right? And so, it's gotten the negotiations part of it has become easier and easier 
because of the volume that we're bringing to some of these companies, they, we have a very, very non-adversarial relationship. So they want a company like ours because generally they have to hire recruiters to bring dentists into network, right, and pay them and their salaried people, et cetera, that cost them a lot of money. And here we are bringing them a lot of dentists, but in exchange, they also give us much better reimbursements. They allow us to negotiate some existing contracts, et cetera. And, the, and you know, this is one of those things, if you turn it into like a hostile thing, then it thing falls apart, right? But if it's more of a, you really just have a very, very good relationship, right? Then we find ways to like meet at a point where, you know, it works for everyone. And I'll, I want to say one thing super critical and important for the startup community. The startups get the best possible fees. Like if there's nothing that you get from this, okay? If, if you can ignore every sing, single thing that I'm saying, but I want you to know solo practice, right? One dental office that's a startup typically will get the highest fees. Most of the times people think that and intuitively, that getting the best fees is a function of how many offices you have, what is the saturation level, and you know how long somebody's been practicing because there's so many patients on the books. In reality, solo practice, you know, a brand new startup, you have the highest probability of getting the best possible reimbursements, apart from Delta Dental in some states, right? Delta Dental. You know, it's probably a good segue into Delta Dental, right? Delta Dental is tough in California, as you know, right? When people say Delta Dental, in reality, there are 39 different Delta Dentals, right? Some of the states have formed these small conglomerates, but otherwise, Delta Dental of California is a completely different company than Delta Dental of Alabama. They have no idea about what's going on between each other, no uh, decision-making, right? And so a lot of times when people say, hey, Delta is non-negotiable, they are referring to their Delta, which should not be applied to anywhere else. In fact, recently I, um, recently I just um, um, interviewed uh, somebody that works for Delta Dental of Kansas for a job at PPO Profits, right? So we're, we're hiring, we're, we're looking for two to three people and somebody that, that applied was Delta Dental of Kansas person. And I was asking her, I'm like, you know, um, what's the, how does it work with negotiations? She's like, we've been told to tell everyone it's non-negotiable, but you know, be nice to us, right? And then show that you've put together a lot of effort, you've done some research, et cetera, right? And then we'll, we'll work with you. And we've seen that because very often we've been able to negotiate PPO rates. Now in states like California, it's super challenging, right? California, Texas, Pennsylvania, those three states, I basically tell everyone it's like next to impossible, right? But there's a lot of states where Delta PPO fees are somewhat negotiable, even though the Delta will is trained to tell you, oh no, not negotiable, right? Secondly, the other important thing about Delta Dental is PPO versus Premier only, right? So it has two categories. PPO covers all the patients, right? Premier only covers, uh, PPO plus Premier covers 91% of the patients. And it's somewhat 
tough to explain, but what that means is when a very, very coveted status with Delta is to become a premier only provider, because depending on which state you're in, many, many um, states, the premier doctors get as much as 80% higher reimbursements than the PPO doctors, okay? And it's very state dependent. We just, I happen to be in Illinois, which has the highest difference between PPO fees and premier fees. To kind of give you an idea, the premier fee schedule is about 80%, 80% higher than the PPO fee schedule for Delta, okay? There are other states like Idaho where it's only 10%. You know, uh, California, I believe, is about 38 to 40%, right? And so the, it's, and, and when a lot of the uh, doctors want to become premier only, they will be told right away one of two things, not possible, which isn't true. Because in many, many states, you can go premier only today, a new doctor, right? If you were in, uh, in Chicago, I would tell you no problem. If you were in Colorado, I would tell you no problem, right? There are other states where you have to meet some criteria to be, become premier only, right? Like in New Jersey, you know, you would have had to be a dentist credential with any Delta in the country prior to January 1st, 2017, right? California, unfortunately, the date is January 1st, 2015, which means anything prior to that, anything after that, you cannot go premier only. But always try to do that. The second thing that Delta will tell you all the time is, doctor, you don't have any premier patients, right? But it's very misleading statement because what they're, what they're saying is there are no premier only patients. They're not telling you that they're 91% of the policies that Delta Dental writes are what's called PPO plus premier, which means for those 91% of patients, they get to see a premier only dentist as in network and that dentist gets reimbursed at the premier um, fees, right? Which is much higher. It's 9% that you are out of network with. And out of those 9%, there are gonna be some policies that are called EPO, a zero out of network benefits, right? And then another type of policy is, is PPO only, which means you get reimbursed on the PPO fee schedule and you have to cover the difference between PPO and Premier from the, from the uh, patient, right? So I, I'm basically sharing this, that when, when you hear about Delta and when somebody says, well, you can't do this with Delta, that is for that doctor, for that state, and sometimes that information is inaccurate. Okay, so always like run it through. And um, the other thing I'll also say, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Blue Cross Blue Shield is an independent company as well in every state, right? BCBS, we are a licensing company. So in every state, different companies license the BCBS name, the license, right? And they are the ones, the insurance company underwrites it. You know, so for example, in New Jersey, it's Horizon, right? In, in um, uh, California, Blue Cross and Blue Shield are two separate companies. Blue Cross is part, part of a conglomerate called Anthem, which is a conglomerate of 14 states. Blue Shield of California goes through dental benefits providers, right? DBP, which also is the administrator for United Healthcare. And so, the, what ends up happening is a lot of people, you know, get told, hey, BCBS, you can't negotiate. Well, again, they're speaking of their state, right? Like if somebody said to me, Horizon Blue, and their lower PPO fee schedules, I agree. But if someone says to me, Anthem, 
there are many different ways to get better fees with Anthem, right? In, in California, for example. One, they just have three different layers. You can actually have, you know, join them at 100 level, 200 level, or 300 level, depending on different fees, right? I'm sharing all this stuff because that's the level of complexity that sometimes I, I want to provide to people because insurances aren't as cut and dry as people assume. I'll pause. I mean, so the, the, the other thing is there's a lot of shared networks and umbrella companies, right? And so this happens very often where, you know, people don't realize that you can be in network with Aetna through seven different companies. And I'm not, this is not hyperbola. You can be in network with Aetna through principle, right? Not many people know that. So, you know, as a startup, as an example, if I see that principal fee schedule is way better than the Aetna fee schedule, we would only sign up with principal. Because over time, we would pick up Aetna under Prince, through principal, and Aetna will pay the principal fee schedule. Okay? So those are the types of things that you do, a lot of umbrella companies, et cetera, and then you build this like web of what gets you the highest fees with every insurance company. I, I hope you guys took notes. That was a lot of information. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's so good. This is why this is why you're you're the man. Um, so there's a lot of misinformation being told to the docs about it's just a waste of time. You can't negotiate. Blah blah blah. Obviously, you just debunked um, even the Delta one, which is really big. I I live in California, so it sucks. Um, who does a startup in California? Who does two startups in California? I have no idea. Um, when is the ideal time to start this process? You know, I, the day that you sign the lease or, you know, acquire the real estate, when you know that this is happening, because this legitimately with some insurance companies is a nine-month process. And it all depends on how we credential you. Because if you even think about this, my trivial example of, of at nine principle, we first have to credential you into principle, which can take about 120 days. And then principle sends this information to Aetna, and Aetna now has to credential you, which may also take another four months, and you've got eight months before you're in network with Aetna. We're doing this because we can get you a higher reimbursement, right? And so you wanted the day that you signed the lease and said, I've got it, right? I am, I am assigned on the dotted line. That's also the day that you start the process of fee negotiation, credentialing, et cetera. So someone has a question. Ali says, is there anything actionable for people in bad contracts that have already been credentialed with most PPOs? Very actionable, right? Um, so one of the parts of what we do is we have so many existing practices. So when we say existing in network offices, they want to renegotiate the contracts. And sometimes it's a series of renegotiations. Sometimes it's just restructuring of the contracts where we're moving one from another, right? It's way more challenging when you've already signed up, way more challenging. There's just, you know, not just a little bit, but so much more that we basically, for existing practice, get into an 18-month agreement because often it's taking that long, right? Uh, so you can do a lot of this stuff, but every single 
there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of if this, then that, a lot of moving parts. Um, it's not an easy process. It's not a pretty process. And your front office team has to be really rock solid because you're going to see changes happening while treatment is going on. Uh, this moved to different fee schedule. This went out of network, et cetera. It will keep you in the loop with everything. But you can do it. And you know, I would probably say a big portion of our business is existing in network practices. But, uh, um, but if you're buying a practice or a startup, that's the best probability that you get for doing a really clean credentialing. And what is the process like? Is it similar? Is it different for people who have acquired practices? Yeah, acquisitions are like the toughest, right? Um, for one simple reason, right? Everyone that attends my webinars, I tell them one thing about acquisitions, that everything I'm gonna give you are going to be bad options, right? Like you will just have to pick the bad option that works for you, right? But no deep down, still a bad option, right? Like one thing that a lot of people do is they're buying a practice and they acquire all the contracts, right? Mm -hmm. And just call the insurance companies and take over the contracts. Well, now they've got not only the crappier fees, but they have also now limited themselves in us being able to get them credential with a better umbrella company, shared network, better fee schedule, because it's very difficult to move, right? right. And so the second way is to, to negotiate first and then credential, right? But during acquisitions, we also have to do some things like terminating these seller's contracts on a couple of insurances. So with those insurances, you're adding another three months to the nine month, right? And you could literally be 12 to 14 months and you're like, wow, I've still got two insurances that have not seen me and I'm billing out of network, right? And you're constantly telling your patients about to happen, about to happen. So I always tell people, everybody that's doing an acquisition, if you want to first negotiate, which in my view is the right thing. If I bought practices, that's exactly what I would do. I would negotiate first. I would never in a lifetime acquire uh, existing contracts, right? Because that's one chance where I get much better fees. But I'll tell everyone, one year of frustration you have to deal with, right? And I have so many acquisitions. We, even when I was at the Dental Success Summit, there were a lot of people that came over and they just said, man, this was life-changing, right? But everyone said, oh man, somehow we managed the first year, right? Like somehow, you know, apologizing to the patients and keeping the teams happy and all that stuff, right? And then you get to a little bit better steady state, et cetera. And there's probably a few people listening to this that we've done acquisitions for and they're like, yeah, man, first year was really, really challenging. You know, sometimes even longer, right? 14 months or so. We're getting a lot of questions for you. Um... When can we sign up with insurance again? When can we sign up with insurance again? I'm not sure I understand that question. I'm presuming if if they've already opened their doors and they're like a year or two years in, can you is there a is there a clause that says you can't negotiate within three no. to five years? No? No, no, no. And, and remember, when you've already signed up with some of these insurance companies and you're, you know, under two years, most of them are not going to renegotiate existing contracts. At that time, it's going to be more like, let's move this to here, right? And, and you know, call it some arbitrage that exists that you can, that you can utilize for better fees, right? Um, but now, and, and then sometimes where that happens is just almost as a function of, because sometimes what will happen is, and this is very common in my world, 
we say, all right, we want to move this contract to this. Let's terminate this. And we send a termination letter, and then we get back, what can we do for you, right? Because we didn't, one of the worst things anybody can do to negotiate, which is the most common thing people do, is to ask, you know, can we be up for a fee review, right? I mean, the answer is no, right? Like, you know, and once in a while, it's been forever, the insurance company will say, yeah, give us your top 10 codes and they'll give you a 4% increase average on those top 10 codes. And the person at the front office feels really good about it that she got like, you know, uh, an increase. But in, in reality, when you send a termination letter, but it's not a bluff because you've got a plan B in place, that actually makes it so much better because you literally, because when we are doing this, we're actually terminating it. And this happened this morning with us sent out a termination to a big umbrella company because we had had this strategic plan with, with this particular acquisition and came back and it turned out the fee schedule that they gave us turned out to be not anything great, but 2% higher than the best fee schedule they had. But it also covers, it's a big umbrella company called Connection Dental that covers almost every insurance company in, under its umbrella. So like, okay, we're now getting like 30 to 40% increases with a lot of the insurance companies because of this. Um, this session is being recorded. It, I'm going to post it as an announcement, and then we're going to try to rip the audio for a podcast. Since we moved to the phones, I don't know if the audio is going to be as clean, but yes, it'll be, um, it'll be there for you to view at your leisure. Um, and then Christina says, if we work under a corporation that takes these insurances and our Oh, where did it go? Hold on, sorry. It disappeared. I, I saw the question. You saw it? Yeah. So I think what Christine is asking is, if you are already credentialed with multiple different, you know, corporate offices, et cetera, and then you open your office from a credentialing standpoint, are you still considered a startup? The answer is yes. Luckily, everything that you are doing so far in the different DSOs that you might be working at, different private practices, et cetera, all of the credentialing is individualized to the office. There's some exceptions like United Concordia, which end up following you because they do everything on an individual NPI level, right? But beyond that, no, the, the, don't worry about it. Very common, just recognize that every single person that is, I would probably say what, 98, 99% of the people who have done a startup were an associate someplace else and many other places before. Yep, 100%. And what helps you get better contracts? Is it related to experience or the area you are practicing? Neither. It's, again, very counterintuitive, right? Like, area does matter now. It's starting to matter more and more now. But up until maybe a few months ago, this was largely a, an exercise in, like, some handshake agreements and, and just knowing the right people and, and calling in some favors here and there right? Like the people are getting more and more precise now, undoubtedly, right? I can tell you this today, that the fees that we are able to negotiate or anybody's able to negotiate today are far worse than back in 2019, 2020. Far worse, right? There's, and, and I, don't, I don't like saying that, right? Um, but if, you know, I look at my own clients that started in 2019, 2020, and I'm like, yeah, don't even ask for an increase because I'm concerned that they might be like, whoa, who, 
who gave them this fee schedule because they're just so attractive. Mm -hmm. And last, this year, I think you guys have seen it, right? Facebook have been, has been like totally, you know, lit up with Cigna and Aetna reducing fees. Aetna did it last year, Cigna did it this year, right? We're all just getting screwed. I, I, I have to say that uh, because my entire world is now in insurance, verifications, claims processing, like very often my jaw is on the floor and I, I feel for everyone, to be quite honest. Uh, I really do. It, it's, I, yeah, I know everyone is upset, but I genuinely feel that some of the things, some of the, the, the way it's going, it's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have a question. I'm in the process of acquiring a practice. I have two months in hand before I start working there. Is it enough time to start my insurance negotiation or should I wait until the clinic is officially under my name? Yeah, the right way would have been to start before, right? Um, you know, generally you, you start the process when you actually do the closing, right? Um, but, and, and I, I want to say this to everyone that's hearing it as well, right? We are not taking any acquisitions at the moment, right? We're also not taking any, there's very, very selective acquisitions. We're really, really booked, right? And so I am, I can tell you that the only clients that we are taking right now are startups and also very limited because I am now personally handling the startups, right? We had gotten enough backed up where I stole a, um, a, a very senior assistant to a senior account manager who's very, very well-trained in everything uh, to get them here so that I could work directly with some of the startups. And we just made this decision about maybe 10 days ago. So, you know, a lot of the startups that were in our backlog I, we're now sending them emails and taking actions to, to get them back on track, right? But a big thing is that start, as a startup, you're going to have so many more questions beyond just insurances, right? Mm -hmm. And I have started telling people, here's my cell phone number, here's my messenger, ask me anything, right? So very often I'm fielding a lot of types of questions that have nothing to do with insurance, but hey, which is the best third party uh, um, financing company? How do I set this up? you know, where, you know, which is, how do I send this type of a claim, right? And because I've got so much of experience very often, just like off the cuff, I'm able to just say, give me a call. It just happened with me, with two of the providers when they were asking questions, like, doctor, give me a call right now, right? And, um, and I just talked them through um, the process right now. And, but because I am the bottleneck, we're basically being very limited in the number of um, um, clients we can take. Um, so that's why, no acquisitions at the moment from us, right? But I still want to answer the question that ideally you want to start your negotiation process the day you sign the LOI where you're closing and that is your practice. Okay, I'm going to use you selfishly for me, okay? Because I want them to see the what what working with you would look like. I know sure. you're extremely in demand. So if, I mean, if you guys are even thinking about opening a startup, which I mean, you're in the startup group, so I feel like you are. Um, just make sure to do it very, very early on. My first office, 
I started the negotiation process, not with Vivek's company, but with uh, another company. And that took seven months. And when we opened our doors, it, we still were not in network with Delta, which completely bit us in the butt because Delta requires you to pay up front and then they send the check to the patient. So, um, so just start planning ahead even before you think you're ready. Um, so my, my fees are relatively good, I would say. Um, but I'm really hoping that work, working with you will get me better ones for not just for, yeah, how does that work? So this will be location number two, startup number two. Um, we are not going to be participating with Delta, um, which is scary also. Um, Don't be, right? Because um, I'll say this. Delta Dental is a very good out-of-network pair, right? And secondly, more and more states are passing the law where they are, because Delta right now, in many states, don't accept assignment of benefits when you're out of network, which means, in plain layman's English, when you send the claim, the check goes to the patient. More and more states are passing laws that they can't do that. Texas was the most recent one, which is a very, very big, you know, because it was three different states that this year they passed a law, which means the check has to go to the office even if they're out of network, okay? And that's the scariest part about being out of network with Delta. Otherwise, Delta is a very, very good out-of-network payer. What I mean by that is they'll pay you really good reimbursements, and they write a lot of really good policies where out-of-network benefits are pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, what do I... What do we need to do for, for me to get this party started? Yeah, well, uh, there is a getting started um, link, right? And so step one is you fill that form out, right? Then it goes to our onboarding team, right? And, and I, I'll, I'll say this. There is no doubt, in, you know, no, no, you know, I hope people that know me from here, you know, recognize that I'm generally a very, very, very straight up person, right? And, and the weaknesses, the strengths, I'm, I'm totally open about it. Definitely very backlogged, right? So one of the things that we've had to do recently is A, which is this, this assistant that I brought in, so that startups don't have to go through the normal route, right? Startups go through a different route because they're very time sensitive in nature and because they're coming to me. And very often, I don't have to look at, I don't even need all the fee schedules to be negotiated before I say, we're ready for the strategy, right? Because I've got so much experience, I can just look at this and I'm like, well, this is an umbrella company that covers nine companies in, in um, um, California. I'm looking at this fee schedule, nobody will come close to it, let's do it now, right? And some of the companies are like two months behind responding to a fee schedule request, right? Mm. If I already know that what we have is not going to get matched, then I don't even want to wait, right? And that's why it's kind of going through a different circumventing process. It's coming directly to me. But you're going to go through an onboarding process, which means you're going to upload a lot of documents like your malpractice insurance, your license. One of the things we would want you to do is also upload your fees from your first office, right? Because... Again, I can look at it and say, 
is this the best we're going to get? Or what do we need? Because sometimes if I see it and I'm like, we could do way better, then I would not position you as if you already own the other practice. Okay. Okay. And, and so, because I don't want it to get tied with the other practice and they're like, well, we're going to give her the same fee schedule. Um, and a lot of factors, right? Also zip code. Um, your second practice, is it in the same first three digits zip code? I don't even know the zip code. I don't think so. Okay. A lot of insurances look at the first three digits. If they're the same, they want to give the same fee schedule, right? Or worse. And so, and, and I know I've got clients in California where we've had to do some very, very creative things to increase the fee schedule. Um, so. Let's, um, Sandy is on. You're a true professional, Viva, getting it done. Yes, he is. And Christina, yes. So my first office, we had pre-booked appointments. I had, um, it was, I had over 50 patients scheduled before our doors opened and 80% of those people ended up being Delta. And they said, oh, you're not officially in network? Yeah, we're just gonna wait until you are. So they ended up pushing their appointment. So it's the wild world. Um, Shirag says, I'm fed up with some insurances and they declined to renegotiate Hence, I have started termination process. Is there any good order to drop insurance so that we don't get picked up by other insurance companies? Yes, there is definitely a good order, but it requires a good understanding of how all of them interconnect and which is challenging to get because the there are... So I understand the, the question, right? Because, you know, typically you will... I've seen this happen. You terminate a contract, and now you're on a lower fee schedule, right? Like literally one of the most hair-pulling things, saying, I'm fed of the insurance, I'm going to terminate it. And now you're still in network at even a lower fee schedule, right? And so very often it's just understanding your insurance map, and every single insurance company works differently. So it's very difficult to, like, you know, give a generalized answer to that. Because, for an example, Aetna. Aetna will not... Aetna does not do what's called stacking networks, which means if you, have, if you have a contract with Aetna, they don't have visibility on your other active contracts. They will only have that visibility after you terminate your contract, right? And after you terminate the contract, these are not real-time processes. You will go out of network, and sometimes after three to four months, you will now find yourself back in network with Aetna at an even lower fee schedule because you might have gotten picked up through Guardian, or Americas, or Principal, many different companies, right? And so if that happens, then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, geez, I didn't know that. But Aetna wouldn't tell you because they don't have that visibility, right? So it's very, you almost have to like have that raw understanding, right? And it's difficult. I mean, I, I feel for you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, Sharing this, the level of complexity that it's become, it's getting challenging for us. And I 100% feel this problem for everyone where, you know, you're ready to like pull your hair out and all that stuff. Um, for sure. Um, Harleen says, do you help negotiating startup P 
pediatric dental offices? A lot, yeah. lot. Yeah, yes. The the pediatric dental offices is probably like we do so many, right? Like, and to me, I am opening a pediatric dental office in this state, right? In the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I know what to do, right? Because the whole pediatric map of every different state is in my head. I'll tell you right away that we want to do this, this, and this. Awesome. Um, do you see any other questions that I may have missed? Um, I saw, does MetLife negotiate, um, you know, the... The, I have definitely, we have definitely done a lot of negotiation with MetLife, including with specialists. I remember we just recently did one for, with an orthodontist for MetLife. And MetLife is also part of many different umbrella companies, right? The, the, there's ups, you know, pros and cons of going through an umbrella company. Very often you'll get better fees but you don't get picked up for all the networks. MetLife has three different P PPO networks called PDP, PDP Plus, and FedVIP. No umbrella company picks up PDP and a couple of you know, umbrella companies don't pick up FedVIP either, right? So it's like, you know, you have to make a decision on that. But I'll say this, out of every single insurance company there is, MetLife is the best to be out of network with, hmm. and by, by far. And anybody that is out of network with MetLife will say, yep, absolutely. I send a claim. I get paid my full fee, I get the check, because MetLife writes a lot of mirror policies where the benefits of in-network mirror out-of-network, right? And MetLife generally play, pays a very high UCR, which is the usual customary reasonable of that area. So very often as a general dentist, you know, you may say, here's 150 bucks for a claim for an FMX. In-network, you were getting paid 80 bucks when you went out-of-network getting paid 150 bucks. And very often you're like, why didn't I do this before? Mm -hmm. uh, MetLife, number one out of network pair, Aetna number two. Really? Is there a, um, a website that you can compare all of the different insurances in your area? Uh, there, it's manual process, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can definitely, there, there are, and we do some of that, right? Except... Now we also, depending on which state and cities, because we do so many insurance verifications at Verifit, like last month we did about, I don't know, 15, 16, 17,000, right? And so because of that, and we're doing that month after month after month with more and more clients, right? So what ends up happening is through Verifit, we build out this demographic study where it tells us how many verification requests are you getting, right? That tells us how many patients are there with an insurance company, right? Like I am looking at a, a bar graph in front of me right now in California in a particular zip code, right? And it shows that Delta Dental of the state is 44.06% in that area. You know, United Healthcare 1.51%, United Concordia 6.18%, MetLife 11.53%, Cigna 11.74%. The good thing is this is all real-time data that is coming from our own software of verifications, and it's not two, three-year-old data. It's last month's data. It's what's happening in that area today. 
So that is the information I trust more than anything else. Awesome. Um, how often do you suggest to look at the current fee schedule and consider doing renegotiations? It's, you know, typically the answer is two years, but I have never, you know, because I would say 80% of the work is contract restructuring. That can happen anytime. But once your contracts are structured really well, right? Once in a while here and there, some of the insurance uh, affiliations and connections change, which you have to realign, right? But beyond that, you're, you're you know, once, like I said, you know, we started taking clients in early 2019. If any of the early 2019 clients come to us, I'm like, there's really not much we can do. Or these are two insurance companies we can make a change, but that's about it. Um, so that's why it's, it's less about just the whole concept of renegotiations is some negotiations, but the biggest chunk that you get is by ensuring that you are prudential the best. Hmm. Um, can you believe it's already five o'clock? Just okay. obviously. It's an amazing question that I want to answer real quick, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Dr. Dunkar, if you are deciding to open a startup in any U.S. state, and willing to make move, which state would you pick based on the highest general insurance rates, Colorado? Okay. The Colorado and Illinois are the two states. The only reason I would say Colorado is a preference is because many offices in Colorado also accept Medicaid because Colorado Medicaid is very good. Illinois Medicaid is super sucky. The worst in the country of Medicaid is Illinois, the lowest fees. Texas has also got pretty good. Colorado's we've got really good uh, Medicaid fees as well. We don't do anything with Medicaid. But the other thing is almost every insurance company in Colorado is, is workable, which means we can do something with it, including Delta Dental and Premier. Colorado, Blue Cross goes through Anthem, which is negotiable, et cetera. So absolutely Colorado. So everyone's going to move to Colorado now. They already are. They already are. Um, do you have a, a list that they can get their name on to start a, a wait list since, since you're in such high demand? We don't have a wait list per se, right? Um, we just, you know, literally there's a number internally in the company, which is the maximum startups that we can support, right? Um, once it reaches that, we basically just stop taking clients, right? So, like existing offices, we're not taking acquisitions. We're not taking, right? Um, it's really one of those things where it hits that number, and you know, anyone that comes over, we just tell them we're not the right fit at the moment. Awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and everyone else's time who joined. I know we didn't get to every single question that was asked, so. Vivek, if, if you have some free time within like the next few days, do you mind just popping in and, and write, writing some, some thoughts to those people who, who, who asked? And also, if you, guys haven't, um, if you guys haven't already figured this out, I am, I, I have, I'm, mm, how do I say this? <laughs> I, I want you guys to be introduced to all of the people who I know, respect, 
who have the highest integrity, who I know for a fact have played significant roles in the success that I've experienced in my own office. So you are going to, um, I, you're going to hear from people who I have always personally used. And, um, and I have invited them to be a contributor to this group because I know of the immense value that they continue to add to my life. And I know for a fact that they will add to yours. So these same people are also going to be um, contributing more regularly. They are, um, they're helping to sponsor and launch our first retreat, which I am so grateful for because as, um, as you guys have known or maybe not known, I've never monetized this group and now trying to, to run or create a retreat. Um, let's just say I have a lot of uh, deposits on my personal credit card, sorry, honey. Um, and it does take a village. I understand now why people don't just throw events. Like you need the support structure of your dream team. So um, PPO Profits, Verific, um, they are going to be there and you have an opportunity to pick the brain of Vivek for the entire four days in Napa. Um, I think you broke up. I know you're in high demand, but what, how can people connect with you? I know you don't have a wait list, but what can we do to, to get people, to get more of our docs helped? Facebook Messenger probably is the best way, right? Like I get a lot of Facebook messages. I'm probably the best at responding to those. I'm the worst at responding to emails. Okay. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Okay. So you guys hear that? Facebook message, Vivek. Um, my sound went off. Can you hear me? Yes. Now it's back. It's back? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, I don't know what. I think my internet is crappy. We had like rolling internet outages in uh, this, this whole town. So, um, yeah. Thank you for being, being here today, watching this. Um, shoot your... Shoot your questions, and we will we will try to respond back to all of all of them. Thank you so much, friend. I appreciate you. Same. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good weekend, and um, let us know if if this was helpful. And um, I hope to be doing this once a week. Yeah, getting more content to you guys. All right, take care, guys, and thanks again for being patient with the uh, you know all the tech issues. You guys are awesome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, guys.